0: pittsburgh steeler fans what's going on this is jeff hartman senior editor of com, with you for another episode of let's ride your monday wednesday and friday morning podcast it is not just monday and yes i hope you all had a great weekend it is a victory monday and you might be sitting there or walking or doing the dishes, listening to me saying, oh, geez, here we go. Victory Monday. It was a preseason game. Yes, it was a preseason game. No, these wins and losses don't count. But that was an important win for the Pittsburgh Steelers on a lot of fronts as they beat the Seattle Seahawks Saturday night at the AC. That's right, the Acra Shore Stadium. Oh, my gosh. It's not Heinz Field anymore. Anyways, they win 32 to 25. It was exciting. I'm going to talk all about that. We have the winners and losers coming up in the second half of this show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. My thoughts on the game coming up shortly after the news. Before we get into all that, just a reminder wherever you get your podcasts, follow us in case you found this on Twitter, on behindthesteelcurtain.com. Anywhere you get your podcasts, just search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe and follow. So that you don't miss a thing. That's our morning, noon, and afternoon lineup. Everything that a diehard fan would want. And honest to goodness, it is it is going to be a lot of fun for this entire network to break down this game. We're also excited for it to finally be back. For this season to finally be underway. And it finally is here. It's finally here. So good news on that. Now, I want to, before I get to the news, I feel like I have to get something out there right away. You know, on Friday, if you listen to my Friday podcast, I talked about how Steeler fans should not get, you know, I think the term I used. let me see what I actually titled the podcast. Don't be blinded. That was the term I used. Don't be blinded by the Steelers result. Either way, that is same. It stays true till right now. Still does. The Steelers won. That's great. They did a lot of really good things. They also did a lot of stuff that wasn't that great, and we're going to try to diagnose all of that here in this podcast, and as we press on throughout the week, as the Steelers then turn their attention to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up this Saturday down in Duval County, but still, the news first. Let's let's go over the news, because this 32-25 victory has fans in a frenzy in a lot of ways, mainly because of one Kenneth Pickett. We'll talk about him for sure. Let's talk about some injuries, and I think that's very important. But the one consistent thing that a lot of people always say is, just get through the preseason injury free. like Don't have any injuries, and that is very, very important. Well, after the game, Mike Tomlin took to his podium for his press conference, and he only said one injury that was needing further evaluation, and that was Carl Joseph, the safety he was—he uh, left with an ankle injury. They had an air cast on it. And that's typically not good, by the way. He was seen in a boot and crutches after the game in the locker room. He'll get evaluated, but for a guy that's just trying to make the team, not a good sign. We'll put it that way. Uh, other in-game injuries uh, that are worth noting, Akello Witherspoon who man Akella Witherspoon boy did he give the middle finger to Jeffrey Benedict in the first quarter uh Jeffrey Benedict was at the game and Ake- and Jeffrey Benedict has been saying all off season how Akella Witherspoon can't tackle doesn't want to tackle and even when he tries to tackle is not up to snuff and so Akella Witherspoon has a great open field tackle and I'm like yeah there you go Jeffrey and then what does he do on the second tackle hurts his shoulder now he left uh No one mentioned it. Uh, You could see him telling players as he came off. I know Minka Fitzpatrick came over and basically said, hey, man, you good? And he goes, I'm fine. Uh, Nothing was said by Mike Tomlin, so that's a good sign. Uh, Demonte KZ, he left the game too, and everyone was kind of thinking, what's going on? My guess is that he came up and made a tackle. Remember, there are officials that if they deem that a player might have a concussion, they can stop the game, tell that player to leave, so that they can be evaluated. I feel that is what happened. And again, Tomlin did not mention that. But the one weird thing about this week, this past week, and it'll probably happen again this week, is that Mike Tomlin had his press conference leading up to the preseason game on Thursday. And so on Thursday, the, the, the press conference was at 1130-ish. They practice around 1, and then you have Friday and the game on Saturday. My guess is it'll be a same type of schedule this week. Well, what we didn't know is because we didn't hear from Mike Tomlin after practice Thursday, they had some pretty significant injuries. So here we are as fans waiting, hoping to see some players, players like Calvin Austin III, and we're waiting and seeing where is he? Where are they? They're not there. They're on the sideline, but they're not dressed. I don't get it. We'll come to find out Calvin Austin III and Anthony Miller, another player that I was, at least myself, was looking forward to seeing they weren't even dressed because they suffered injuries in Thursday's practice. Austin with a foot injury. I don't know if this was a true report, but someone said it was a sprain. Liz Frank, uh, that is not the same as, say, what Larry Ogunjobi had, which forced him to have surgery and all that. But we don't know. We don't know because no one asked, and they dared. there was no post-practice press conference on Thursday. Anthony Miller suffered a shoulder injury, so he was unable to play. It is what it is. We're going to get into the individual players, some players that benefited from those those two individuals not playing, but the players who didn't play for the Steelers, well, that list is long. I mean, none of the specialists played. So in other words, Chris Boswell wasn't kicking, Presley Harvin wasn't kicking or holding, uh, and you think about Cam Hayward, TJ Watt. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, Montrevius Adams is still nursing an injury, Alex Highsmith nursing an injury, Deont- Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, um, uh, Kevin Dotson. The list is really long of players that didn't play. And so the Steelers went in very thin at certain positions. Several players, I should say more than several, a lot of players got a lot of playing time, and they put some tape out there. Someone like Kendrick Green at left guard. He put a lot of tape out there to be evaluated by the coaching staff, good, bad, or indifferent, he got that opportunity. And so we'll talk about this in Winners and Losers, but if I'm an injured player, I'll give you another one outside of Kevin Dodson. Benny Snell? Uh, you might want to start looking over your shoulder a little bit. We're just gonna, I'm just going to put it that way. I'm just going to put it that way. But to kind of recap the game and give you my own personal thoughts on the game as a whole, so looking at this globally, boy, that felt like a regular season game. I, I can honestly say that I, I put this out on my Twitter feed and a lot of people agreed with it. I've never, I can never remember being that invested in a fourth quarter of a week one preseason game. Cannot remember the last time I was that engaged in a fourth quarter of a week one exhibition game. But I was, and I wasn't alone. And my wife, who was sitting on the couch with me at the time, I mean, she comes in and she initially, the kids are in bed, and she says, Oh, this game's still on. And I said, yes, it's still on. And so I'm kind of like cheering a little bit as the fourth quarter's going on. She goes, what? this game doesn't even matter. Why do you care? I said, I care because Kenny Pickett's playing now. And it's the Steelers' first-round draft pick. This is the guy that everyone's hoping is the future of the franchise at the most important position in professional sports, a quarterback. That's why I care. And so we're all invested. And boy, did it, the fans were into it. I think there, I think I saw it was either 46 or 48,000 fans were in attendance. That's a great number for a week one preseason game. And they were all about KP8, the Kenny chance. They love that guy, obviously, for being a pit product. But I want to say something about the fans. Before I get into the coaching staff, which is going to lead us up into the break and then the winners and losers, I want to say something to the fans for anyone that was there, anyone that was there, and as Mason Rudolph trotted onto the field, if you booed, I honestly question what you're doing. Why would you do that? You may not like Mason Rudolph. That's okay. A lot of people don't for a lot of reasons, but what has this guy done that has somehow, some way, caused you to want to boo the guy? Not after he had a a strip sack fumble, uh, which was not his fault, by the way. Not after that, but just when he went onto the field, I, I'd like to think that Steeler fans are a step up from that, from a class standpoint. I feel I, I want to feel like Steeler fans are not those type of fans. When I say those type of fans, you've been to sporting events, you've heard those fans that are just relentless. They're never happy. They're never they're never satisfied. And every fan base has those. But I guess I just felt like Steeler fans were a little better. So if you were there and you booed a guy just because he was coming on the field, come on now. Come on. Give him an opportunity just like you do everyone else. And if you wanted to boo after the strip sack, I get it. Sure, I understand why you would boo in that scenario. Again, not his fault. Left tackle gets beat. Guy gets his hand on the football. It's not like everyone was like, oh, he should have the pocket presence to do that. We've seen that happen to Ben Roethlisberger a ton of times in his career. Did you cheer two plays later when George Pickens, that beautiful throw and that unbelievable catch in the corner of the end zone? Or did you boo then too? So Steeler fans, I understand you might have a rooting interest in the quarterback race. You may be rooting for Mitch Trubisky, you may be rooting for Kenny Pickett, but at the same time, don't root against the guys that are on the Steelers, that are wearing the black and gold. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't add up. If Mason Rudolph goes out there and plays tremendous football, and he clearly is the best option at quarterback, why would you boo the guy? I don't think that's going to happen, but why would you boo him? It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I want to talk about the coaches a little bit before we talk about some individual players in the second half of the show. And you have to start Matt Canada. So this was, I said it before on my podcast. I've said it on other podcasts. I felt, and I still do feel that Matt Canada is coaching for his NFL career this season. So last season, we all know the story. Ben Roethlisberger's last year, not mobile. Uh, can't really manipulate the pocket too much. An offensive line that was just not up to snuff questionable skill position players, a rookie at Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Juju smith schuster goes down early in the season. Chase Claypool doesn't have a good year. And all of a sudden, that Matt Canada just seems like nothing's working. Whatever he's trying, jet sweeps, motions, all this stuff, shifts, doesn't matter. It's not working. And so now in the offseason, the Steelers really invest into the Matt Canada system. I, I did a podcast at the end of last season saying the Steelers need to understand what they're doing. If you go down this path, it can be a very slippery slope because if after year two you decide Matt Canada's is not going to do it, not going to cut it, and then what are you left with? You're left with all these players that were hand-picked for a specific offensive scheme and an offensive offense in general that maybe this next offensive coordinator it's not going to be it. It's not going to be what he wants. So they, they went down that path. They went down that road, and they got Mitch Trubisky. They drafted Kenny Pickett. Offensive line, the interior especially, got a facelift. Uh, you talk about drafting of players like George Pickens, Connor Hayward. Uh, you hope to get people like Najee Harris, obviously, in year two, Anthony McFarland. You possibly hit gold when you had an undrafted rookie free agent like Jalen Warren. The hope was is that Matt Canada was going to be able to prove that his system can work if you give him the players. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that after one preseason game that it is a certainty that Matt Canada's system is going to work and that it will work. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that when Matt Canada, when his offense works with all three quarterbacks that play, every single quarterback that played, you may hate Mason Rudolph more than any other human being on the planet, but you can't say that the offense wasn't working when he was in there. The offensive line looked better. There were issues. Pass pro at times was an issue. But they ran the ball well. You can't complain about that. And when you think about the, the way that they moved the ball down the field and the creativity in some of the play designs, the tempo that was there, especially when Kenny Pickett got into the game, I liked what I saw. I absolutely liked what I saw. I loved how they were able to run the ball. I wish they were a little bit more aggressive running the ball in certain situations and certain downs and distances, but I loved what I saw. I, I I think that Matt Canada, if if this is the starting point and it's only going to get better from here, I'm excited for it. I really am. So we'll see how that plays out. As for Terrell Austin, you know, he's the new defensive coordinator. This is the first year without Keith Butler in a really long time. Who, what is this going to look like? What about Brian Flores? I, I did find it interesting, speaking of Brian Flores, that the camera would go to him and Tomlin on the sideline. They were near each other a lot. I feel like Mike Tomlin is leaning on him, helping, You know, getting some thought. And, and this is something Tomlin talked about all the way back to the owners' meetings down in Florida in the offseason, that, hey, the more football minds, the quality football coaches they can have – the better. And that's what Brian Flores is. So a hey, kudos to Mike Tomlin. If he not only just brings him in, but he's using him, he's leaning on him. I like seeing that, but Tara Lawson, can we really judge anything? Everyone's talking about the rush defense. I certainly will in the second half of this podcast, but can we really judge Tara Lawson? I mean, think, just think about it. Okay. So here you go. Defensive front, all right, coach, we're uh, we're giving TJ the night off. Cam's getting the night off. Larry's not going to play. Montrevious Adams still banged up. He's not playing. Alex Highsmith's got a rib injury. He's not playing. Uh, we don't want to play Miles Jack too much. Uh, so we're just going to have to kind of rotate it inside. Uh, and in the back end, Minka's not going to play. Terrell Edmonds, a little bit, not a lot. Oh, uh, Demonte De- De- KZ is going to leave the game. So we're probably just going to sit him. Uh, you know, secondary Akilah Witherspoon leaves. Can't think about that. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying anything that is a fabrication. I'm not making anything up. That's actually what happened. I don't think there's any way anyone can potentially criticize Terrell Austin after Saturday night when all of those players, and I mean all of those players, were not participating in the game. You just can't. You just can't, at least not yet. So we'll see what week two has in store for that defense. As for Mike Tomlin, I just wish – Yeah, I talked about him him and Flores on the sideline, but I just wish that he would be a little bit more aggressive in an exhibition game. And there was a situation I believe it was with uh, Kenny Pickett. They ended up punting the football. They were around midfield. It was a fourth and two, maybe a fourth and a long yard. And I'm sitting there watching the game thinking there is no overtime in the preseason anymore. So you, might, I want to see what these guys can do. I don't care if they're third stringers. I don't care if they're backups. I want to see what these guys can do in certain situations. So let's go for it. And he punts. And so I said that on Twitter, and I had someone say, well, the punting team needs work too. I understand that. And if Presley Harvin was actually kicking, I would say, I under, oh, that's fine. You got to give him some repetitions too. But he wasn't. The guy that's punting the football is not going to be on the team in a couple weeks. So I just wish that sometimes Mike Tomlin in these games that don't count would be more aggressive. I loved how he went for the two point conversion after the, uh, for the third score. So when Kenny Pickett threw the touchdown to Jalen Warren and they went for two, which was converted to Connor Hayward. I love that. Why not? Well, who, who cares at this point? Who cares? Go out and see what these players can do. You run seven shots. Every single practice, why wouldn't you be more aggressive? That's the only criticism I have of Mike Tomlin. Other than that, I thought it was a pretty great game. be honest, I was kind of excited. I I woke up on Sunday morning, and I was like, wow, this is something to think about. This is something to write about. This is something to talk about, and I know fans are excited too. But you know what? There's winners and there's losers in every game, folks, and we're going to talk about that in the second half. So when we get back, we'll go over those nine winners and two losers. Stay tuned. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second half of the show. I realize there might be some people that don't, that don't haven't listened too long. Uh, I know that on Wednesdays when I do my mailbag segment, which, Hey, be on the lookout for that on Tuesday. I'm going to put out that tweet, follow me on Twitter at Jay Hartman, H A R T M A N underscore P I T. And I've had people and I've, i put out the tweet just says, Hey, fire away with questions. I always put a funny GIF in there. You respond to that tweet. I will answer the question on the Wednesday show. But there's been people that said, Hey, I started listening in February. I started listening in April, whatever they don't they they, have, they don't know what this is about. So um if you're new to the show, after every game, which is typically on Sundays, uh, the Steelers play winner loser draw I do on my Monday show the winners and losers. And this is also a column that I've written for what seems like forever at the website and I just look at who did well, who didn't do well and we hash it out. So I came up with nine winners and two losers with a little caveat. If you're thinking, Jeff, only nine. I mean, the team played great. They put up 32 points. The offense didn't put up over 30 points at all last season. Uh, even though it was a preseason game, Like you think there would be more than nine. little caveat there, but nine winners and two losers. Let's get right down to business. The winners, we're going to start off with Mitch Trubisky. That's right, Bisky Business. Take a listen to his stat line. He finished four for seven, 63 yards passing a 9.0 average. He threw a touchdown, no interceptions, was not sacked for a 126.8 rating. So if I'm being completely honest with you, the listener, I didn't know what to expect from Trubisky in this first preseason game, his first live action with the Steelers. It's one of those situations where when you think about all the reports that came from training camp, he had good days, he had bad days. He had days where he was just kind of in the middle and blah and meh. He came out and he, I, I kind of thought he was going to struggle. I kind of, If I were to predict and put money down on it, I would have said that Trubisky didn't look that great, but he looked great. I was happy to be wrong. Uh, he looked cool and calm, decisive, showed off his athleticism, his ability to move and to get outside the pocket and to make plays, the touchdown on the very opening drive. I mean, think about that. When was the last time we saw the Steelers score on an opening drive? Not a field goal, a touchdown. That bootleg pass that he finds Gunner O was really, really well constructed. And so, uh, hey, good start for Mitch Trubisky. We'll see how uh, he plays in Week 2 and how Mike Tomlin uses the quarterbacks. Second winner, again, a lot of fans are going to think, oh, Jeff, I can't believe you put this guy on the winner's list, but it's Mason Rudolph. How could you not? Listen to the stat line. Finishes 9 for 15, 93 yards, 6.2-yard average. He threw a touchdown. No interceptions, and yeah, you could say, well, there should have been an interception. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, he didn't. He was sacked once for 10 yards, and he had a 100.1 rating. Now, when Rudolph's start, you know, he comes out, he's getting booed. First play from scrimmage, drops back to pass, goes to throw, ball gets knocked out of his hand. Thankfully, it gets recovered by, I believe it was Miles Boykin, and keeps the Steelers having possession of the football. And you can just imagine how here's Rudolph coming into the game And he's hearing boos. If they say they didn't hear it, they're they're liars. It's a bold-faced lie. They heard it. And now the boo birds are raining down even more. So how does he respond? Well, they run a play, get some yardage back. Third down, bomb, George Pickens, touchdown. I have to give Rudolph credit for being able to bounce back from that horrible start to that drive and the horrible start to the game. It was a beautiful touchdown. I, I know that Rudolph's next drive was... A it was a classic Mason Rudolph drive, time consuming, ton of plays gets him in the red zone and falters. So he is he does need to clean that up, but I thought he played well enough to stay in the mix. Mason Rudolph, a winner. The next, uh, you know where I'm going. The next, it's the third quarterback, Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Pickett, KP8. He played the entire second half, but let's listen to the stat line: 13 of 15, 95 yards. 6.3 average. He threw for two touchdowns, no interceptions, was sacked twice for 17 yards with a 132.6 rating. So he had the best rating out of all three quarterbacks that played on Saturday. And what I was looking for from Kenny Pickett when I watched the game, I wanted to see just his overall demeanor from the way he got, the way he went onto the field. I wanted to see how he handled those first few snaps. And we've seen players get rattled, even in a preseason game when the pressure is on. He did not look rattled or overly excited at all. We've seen those times where a quarterback gets in a game and the passes are either going a little low, they're holding onto the ball too long, they're sailing on him, way too much zip and velocity, none of it. He was he was as advertised. Let me put it that way. Everyone said in the in the draft process, Kenny Pickett is the most NFL-ready quarterback in this class. I say yes. absolutely. That, that, is, that one description I think fits Kenny Pickett. And I think the fan base is going to want to see more of Kenny Pickett in the coming weeks. The question will be, is Mike Tomlin going to agree? Will Kenny Pickett ever get a shot with the backups? What about the starters? I think Pickett's play Saturday night. It's good to have on the resume. It's going to make the Steelers think about things, and that's the best that he could ask for when he's entering or leaving the first live game action of his NFL career. Give them something to think about. Now if they're thinking, you know, week two, Jacksonville, I feel like we got to give Kenny a shot second. You know, maybe we play Mason Rudolph third, but I feel like we got to give Kenny a shot. That's what he needs, and I think that's exactly what he did on Saturday night. All right, next winner, George Pickens. That's right, Big George, as Matt Canada calls him. Stat line: three catches, forty-three yards, a fourteen point three average. He did have one touchdown, a twenty-six yard long on five targets. So three catches on five targets. You know, if if the hype train for George Pickens was just picking up steam throughout training camp, after heading <laughs> after week one of the preseason. It's off the rails. It's going to be crazy. All these people now are saying, how did George Pickens become a second round pick? How did 10 other receivers get picked ahead of him? That's what people are saying now. And I think that, you know, he caught the first touch. He caught the first pass of the game, topped it off with that crazy touchdown reception. It looked like a seasoned veteran. And he just has a different look to him. He has a different look to him. People say, "Is is he Martavis Bryant? Is he like an A.J. Green uh, I think one former player said he reminds him of Randy Moss. I'm not going there. Maybe he's just George Pickens, though. I did like to see him. I was, yeah, he absolutely clowned that defensive back that was lined up against from him. a starter for Seattle, mind you. George Pickens isn't scared of anyone. We'll put it that way. He is a winner for sure. Here's the caveat. The next winner, I just put backup running backs. Listen to the stat lines, okay? anthony mcfarland the all but forgotten anthony mcfarland ant mac everyone said this guy stinks cut him he's always injured if he can stay healthy you saw on saturday night what he can do seven carries 56 yards for an eight yard average and he had a 24 yard long run next Jalen warren six carries 34 yards a 5.7 yard average 13-yard long, he did have one fumble, so that blemish remains on his resume. Master Teague the third, 6 carries, 31 yards, a 5.2-yard average, and a 9-yard long. You know, with Najee Harris, he didn't play because of that foot. I I think he could probably play it if it was a regular season game. I don't think it's hurting him that much. The Steelers are just being cautious, rightfully so. But Benny Snell didn't play in this game either. These backup running backs... Man, they put their best foot forward. Whether it was McFarlane, Warren, or Teague, they put an impressive outing out there. The only player that ran the ball that didn't look that great was Mateo Durant, another undrafted rookie free agent. A lot of people had him as the best undrafted rookie free agent when it's really been Warren so far. But although Warren putting the ball on the turf really does, I hate hate it, and so does Mike Tomlin because he said it in the uh, post-game press conference, The Steelers running the ball as well as they did throughout the entire game. I can't remember the last time they did it. So the offensive line deserves some kudos, but so does those players toting the rock. Next winner is Steven Sims. Stat line, he had one rush for 38 yards on a jet sweep. He only had one catch for two yards, and he had one punt return for 38 yards. Mike Tomlin always says it. One man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. I guarantee you, If Anthony Miller and Calvin Austin III would have dressed for this game, Sims doesn't do what he did. He doesn't have the big plays of the the run and the punt return. He did everything he could to make a case for himself. Maybe it's not with the Steelers. Maybe it's with someone else. But kudos to Steven Sims for going out there and making the plays when they presented themselves. The punt return was by far my favorite play from him in the game on Saturday night. But again... If he didn't have the opportunity, he probably never would have gotten that chance, so good for him. Next winner is Gunnar Olszewski. Gunner O, stat line, three catches for 47 yards, led the team in, in yardage. 15.7-yard average. He did have a touchdown, a 25-yard long on four targets. You know, Gunner O was not used much as a receiver when he was with the New England Patriots, but he looked like he was capable. Kind of reminded me of a quicker, faster, Maybe more reliable, Ryan Switzer. I don't know. We'll see. Olszewski, like I said, led the team in receiving yards. He did have the the touchdown in the opening drive. Maybe, just maybe, he's not the return specialist everyone thought when the Steelers made this acquisition in the offseason. Keep this in mind about Gunnar O. Ray Ray McLeod was thought to be a return specialist. And maybe not by choice, but he ended up being much more for the Steelers' offense last season. This could be Gunner O. Keep that in mind. All right, two more winners. The third down offense. Any everyone that's listened to my podcast, I always look for one thing: can you be over five hundred? They were seven for thirteen. So good job for the third down offense being over five hundred, barely, but they were above five hundred. The last winner: penalties or lack thereof. They only had two penalties for fifteen yards. I always look at these categories. I think they're very critical. Only having 2 penalties for 15 yards. I don't want to hear how they weren't calling them on either team. You got to play a clean brand of football. I thought the Steelers did just that. Now let's get to the uh the the losers. I hate sometimes I hate that label, but it is what it is. The rush defense is the first loser. The Seattle Seahawks, there's their stat line. They had 26 carries, 159 yards rushing, a 6.1 yard average. They did score a touchdown and had an 18-yard long run. So the team was shorthanded. We know this. Not having Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Larry Ogunjobi, Montravius Adams, Alex Highsmith. I could go on. You get the picture. But what I do is I expect some of these backups to be able to make a play. Mike Tomlin always says the standard is the standard. Okay, But on Saturday night, the standard wasn't good enough. Isaiah Loudermilk, Chris Wormley. Um, all these players, the Davis brothers, they have NFL experience. DeMarvin Leal's the only rookie in that group. Henry Mondo, the standard was not the standard. I expect a little bit better. Now, in the second half is when things really got bad in the rush defense, but still, we hope that it improves when all the starters come back. But as we've seen in the past, you can't always bank on those starters being there every week. The depth needs to be better. The last loser. Injured players. Stat line is this better get healthy quick. When you look at players who showed up and showed out on Saturday night, you have to think some players might be feeling the pressure to get back on that field before the next preseason game. Think about players like Benny Snell Jr., who now has all these running backs behind him that are just chomping at the bit. They're performing well. When I see Jalen Warren going out there catching a touchdown pass, running all over people, not going down easily, and then he goes out on the special teams unit makes a tackle? Tell me what Benny Snell does that needs he needs to stay on the roster. Well, that's the thing. Benny Snell, unless he's just that hurt that they put him on IR, his spot is not secure. Someone else, Marcus Allen. Okay, Marcus Allen is that tweener guy, linebacker, safety, hybrid. Might want to get back out there because when you see that there's players, Trey Norwood played great, I thought that there were, uh, you know, some some bright spots in the secondary. Marcus Allen, if you're going to have a spot on the 53 man roster, you need to show what you can do. Kevin Dotson's another one. Like I said early in this podcast, Kendrick Green went out there and put a lot of tape out there. This is what I can do at left guard, coach. And this is just the start. Give me another shot. Kevin Dodson's It's it's up to him to get on that field. He has an ankle injury. If he can't get out there, well. He's looking at a depth. He's he's looking at being nothing more than a depth piece. So, the injured players. It's it's awful. Sucks. But at the same time, it is what it is. They got to get out there if they want to get a a spot on this fifty-three man roster. So there you have it, folks. Nine winners, two losers. After the Steelers' thirty-two to twenty-five win over the Seattle Seahawks, it was exciting. We're going to continue to dive into this throughout the rest of the week. I hope you have a great start to your week. I know that I'm going to enjoy this week after that game. A lot to talk about with the Steelers faithful. If you want to follow me on Twitter and extend the conversation, you can at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. If you're an Instagram user, you can find me there as well. It's B-T-S-C underscore Jeff, J-E-F-F. Give me a follow. I'd love to talk to all the ride or die crew out there. And again, be on the lookout for that tweet on Tuesday for the mailbag segment on Wednesday. All right, folks, that does it for me. The Steelers win victory Monday. Celebrate. Have a good start to your week, as we always finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go to Steelers. We'll see you all next.